When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. It's another Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler. Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, sitting across from me in the beautiful podcast studio. Unnamed, unsponsored. Chris's basement? Is that what we're calling it? It's like the name of it, colloquially, even if it's not your actual basement. We'll keep it as that until further notice. Perfect. Unnamed, unsponsored, for now. For now, right. And forever and always, Chris's basement and we're down in Chris's basement to talk a lot of South Carolina football. The Gamecocks have had four spring practices. We've heard from a whole host of players, a whole host of coaches. Spring is rolling along, slowly but surely. And South Carolina's got sort of a, a weird spring schedule where they have it broken up by spring break. And Will Muschamp has explained the method to that madness. So we're going to talk a lot about what's happened so far in spring. We're going to get to the second half of our spring depth chart as South Carolina gets prepared for this Purdue game, which for those of you that missed the last podcast, South Carolina is not doing their traditional Garnet and Black spring game. They're instead going to be playing Purdue in a scrimmage. So we're trying to figure out <laughs> what the depth chart's going to be for both sides of the ball. We went through the offense. We're going to go through the defense today. And finally, one more commitment for the class of 2021. Something of an unknown commodity that we'll get to at the very end of the podcast. We'll start with observations from the first four spring practices Chris, you have a really nice looking, probably actually nice also, notepad Yes, that reminded me of movies about newspapers and journalists. I don't see anybody write on notepads anymore. And you've got some notes in there. I'm Dude, guessing, there's a lot of notes on this thing. Yeah, no, it's it's full. It's actually impressive. I don't know we can read it, but I'm I guessing can't we can read it. And that's, can you read it? Let me no, see. I'm in the process bed? of transcribing the hieroglyphics. From this pad into a computer document. Yeah, so you have bad uh, handwriting? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, that's an understatement. Really, really terrible. Uh, can you decipher enough of those to give us some brilliant insights on what you've seen in South Carolina's first four spring practices? Is that what's on there, by the way? It is not. Is that uh, just a grocery not, list? <laughs> it is also not that. Okay. This is this is business items. Okay. Or these are business items. Or rather, to <laughs> this be grammatically is business <laughs> items. <laughs> to be, <laughs> to be <laughs> grammatically correct. Oh, man. All right, but I do have some thoughts. I also have another correction, since I corrected myself on my grammar. Observations from two practices, because that's all we've seen. We've only seen two practices? And we have seen 15 minutes oh, so of each practice. So they've had four practices, but yes. it's only the first part has only so, been open yeah, so to the media. Flex for, in the first three periods, so f- stretch in about 15 minutes of two practices is what we've seen. All right. So we've just been, one practice since we spoke last Wednesday. That's right. Um and you know, Wes and I have been able to talk to some people and gather some, you know, some different things. Um, you know, in terms of what we've seen with our own eyes, that's a little tougher, um, because largely you see the guys do some dynamic warm ups and some stretching, and then you see, man, we've seen a lot of special teams drills and if, uh, uh, people kicking the ball. If we just went off of what we've been able to watch, <laughs> not much. They have spent the entire <laughs> spring on special teams drills. Hopefully, they're going to be really Gotta good. Make at special teams. Really, really good. <laughs> yeah. It's special teams based yeah. on based on what we've seen. Yeah, lots of 100% of the time devoted to it. 
But, I mean, I, I think we have been able to take a look at some guys in terms of some, I don't know, you know, some body changes and things like that. The guys getting bigger. We got a chance to lay some eyes on some of the newcomers, um, the early enrollees, see how some guys have progressed, and then hear some things. And, I mean, obviously, so two guys, and I think Wes would probably agree with me on this, that – I mean, that maybe, 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 but we don't know. We won't spoil it. But the two guys that I've heard the most about in terms of newcomers, if we want to touch on those, Luke Doty, Marshawn Lloyd. Who are those guys? Uh, those we, the, were those the walk-ons? Yes, yes, two preferred walk-ons. No, I mean, and and so I mean, Marshawn. It's been wild. Like everybody we've talked to, been able to observe practice, and even from what we've seen. You know, he's just really impressed, and we heard it from the moment he stepped on campus, whether it's the weight room or how he carried himself, and sort of the hope was if he's if he's half as good as his tape looks, then, you know, he's got a chance to be good. And so he uh, he has not disappointed on that front. Luke Doty is a guy that's been in command. Um, he's got an arm. He's got athleticism. He's got leadership he has qualities. Two. <laughs> I was about to say that. Oh, Wes, you're spending too much time with me. You're taking my stupid jokes. Oh, man. Y'all are killing me. <laughs> but those two guys, I mean, have, have really stood out. And and Marshawn I, Lloyd standing out because his head is rather large. Is that my understanding? That's that, Somebody <laughs> told me that. I don't remember which one of you told me that. Well, they're wearing the big, some of the guys. Is it just the running backs or the receivers? I think it's anybody that is more likely Taking to be involved hits. in a collision. Yeah. So they're wearing the big padded the ones that they things. wear, like, during special teams, during spring practice? Yeah. Like, the colorful... Okay. They're like cool. So, he doesn't actually have a big head. He's just been that, wearing this right. thing. Right. It makes... Okay. Yeah. I it mean, it looks it, different. People wear them during, um, like, our rivals camps and stuff like that. They, mm-hmm. they put the kids in them, and they look sort of funny, but... But there, they're not over an actual helmet. Too, right, you know? right. They're so just on like, your head. They're yeah. just on your head. These are... It's like helmet, then... Outer shell. Yeah, outer shell. Mm-hmm. Exoskeleton. A double helmet, as it were. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's huge. But... I mean, you got those guys, and then you've got, you know, I think there's a lot of different storylines. You know, offensive line, sort of some of the combinations they've been using there. Secondary, the different combinations they've been using there. Having Jalen Dickerson back healthy for the first time in a while, can he stay healthy? Cam Smith and John Dixon, can they lock down a corner spot? What's receiver look like? What's tight end look like? There's just a lot of different storylines, and, and a lot of them we don't have answers to Chris, yet. pop quiz. Okay. Um. Another position battle that actually will not be talked about at all, but is, I believe, always important. Holder position. Oh. Mm. Do you remember? I do. You got it. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember who was working first team first, holder? First team was Christian Kester. Kinsley. Yes. And second team, second was, team was Luke Doty. Yep. Which means he's not going to pan out a quarterback. <laughs> at least that's what people online would have you believe. <laughs> yeah. Why are we wasting him? Yeah, Christian Kinsley <laughs> is red shirt uh, originally from Lexington, South Carolina, a redshirt senior, transferred from Kennesaw State. So actually, Didn't know that. seriously, may, may be a guy to to know because that's a spot that's up in the air. Joseph Charlton did a great job with it last year, I thought, and um, has obviously moved on. I thought it was interesting, too, when Muschamp was asked about uh, punter on Sunday. He was just like, we'll decide that in the fall. Like, he just didn't even really touch on it, which I believe was the way of... It's almost like unofficially saying, yeah, Kai Kroger's going to come in and beat everybody out. Mm -hmm. Is that good or bad? I think that's good. I mean, the guy's like, what, the number two punter in the country, according to some sites? 
Yeah, I mean, it'd be better to have Joseph Charlton back another year. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but obviously that's not happening. But like, I don't think it's it's not quite like uh, you remember. Was it last spring um, for the the snapping situation? You know, it was really bad in spring ball, and then they brought they in got like Oliveira. twelve guys, yeah. <laughs> including yeah. Oliveira, and that that solved it. Obviously, there were no issues with that. Um, they, they so they've got right now. You know, if they had to start the season today, they probably don't feel great at all about punting. But you bring Kroger in, and if he can do what you think he can, they've been spoiled, obviously, mm-hmm. on that front. All right, so I've been watching a lot of special teams. Uh, what about the kicking battle and the returns? Well, Parker White, that kicker. I mean, and then, the, but some other guys. It sounds like are more in the mix than you would expect. It, or is it just everyone's getting equal reps because it's spring? Yeah, no, I, th- yeah. I think. Um, you know, a lot of spring is just. I mean, there there's method to the madness, but. You're repping. A lot of it is just fundamentals. You want all your guys to get to kick at this point. Parker, I mean, I think it'd probably be the shock of the entire offseason, actually, if Parker White wasn't, you know, the starter there. Uh, T-Rob talked about who was working at punt returner, I think, yesterday. He said J.C. Horn, Shai Smith. Josh Van. Yep. Did he say anybody else? I think that was the three. three. Those were the three you mentioned. I'm really having trouble with my agreement. My grammar. Um, yeah. yeah, other than that, and and it's not like even though we're seeing special teams, we're not seeing like we're not able to watch live returns or anything like that. I, I doubt they're even doing any live returns or anything like that right now. It's Although more Will did mention that he stuff. wants those to happen either throughout the course of spring or at least during the spring game, just so mm-hmm. that they can get some live work on it. I imagine that would be something that would happen in the spring game um, again against Purdue. So that makes sense <laughs> to get some good opportunities there. I guess we won't have any feel one way or the other, but that's most of what you've seen. Guys look good. Big, strong, fast. Four practices. Y'all have only seen two of them. And Carolina spring break is next week. Is that correct? So they pre- we're recording this Wednesday morning, as usual. They're practicing Thursday morning and then are off until the other side of spring break. Confirm? Yes. Cool. And the reasoning behind that because this is pretty unconventional. Most teams, well, at least at least the way I remember South Carolina doing it in the past, you just kind of roll them all out and you get it done in the course of two, three weeks. But the impetus for this, according to a Muschamp, having to do with basically giving guys the ability to get healthy if they get injured in the first part of spring, which is kind of a weird thing. I mean, it's like, okay, that's cool. That makes sense. Kind of a weird thing to build into your spring schedule. Does that say to y'all that, this is going to be a harder spring than it normally is. It's going to be more physical. They're going to have guys going a little bit harder, so the likelihood of someone tweaking something, getting injured, is going to be greater, and therefore it's necessary? Or does it have as much to do with the recruiting part of it as the actual football part of it? I think it's the second one. Because, I mean, they've they've done this. Um, have they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this has been the way they've done it. Yeah. Every yeah, year, right? Yeah, and he's. I don't remember this at all. I just yeah. I feel oh, like yeah. they normally just like bang it out. I think nah. it was it was yeah it was like last year or the year before. I think he was asked about it specifically. Um, and I, I think it's just I mean they get to start earlier. Um, they believe with the current recruiting calendar in trying to get as much momentum early on, get as many guys committed as possible, and you know I, I think it worked out for them on Sunday. They they had a bunch of guys in. That was the first day that um, the new February dead period was over. Um, so it sort of, I was looking, you know, on Twitter, Sunday sort of became like a an unofficial, like big recruiting day at a lot of schools because kids could finally go back out. So they were um, trying to get out, I guess, before the weekend ended. And uh, Carolina had a bunch of guys on campus, had several 
um, of their sign guys in as well, just to come watch and be around the program. And um, yeah, I think it's just as much about recruiting as anything, Chris. And then, like he said, you can if you spread it out, there's a better chance um, of guys actually being able to practice it if something does happen. Do you not risk losing continuity? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, you mean with the long. With the yeah, which is like with breaks in between, and I mean they only have back to back practices a couple times. It's like they always have a day off, and I guess it's good to you know rest and stuff like that. And you're not going to lose everything in a day or in a week, well, but it just seems like you would want to just be building towards something rather than having these like seemingly sporadic, spread out practices for like a month and then playing Purdue at the end of it. Well, I mean they're not they're not taking the day off in between. I mean just because they're not practicing today, the they're still doing weights and all types of yeah. mental so it's it's really more you know do a practice and then build off of what happened in that practice go over the film of what happened in that practice learn from that practice um then start to look ahead to this is what we're installing for the next practice and um there's really there aren't other than the actual spring break I wouldn't say there are many breaks at all like within the actual days of of the spring so and if you if you can't retain this stuff for the one week, um, what does that say about your ability to retain it for the <laughs> entire summer? Yeah. So, I think it's I think it's unique, um, but I I get the logic. Like I I don't think it's a bad idea. No, I mean I guess we'll find out in the fall how much uh, these guys improve. I, I guess it's safe to say through four practices, I haven't really learned much of anything other than just seeing kind of what guys look like on the field. Obviously, nothing. Most things won't even be decided by the end of spring much yeah. less through a third of spring. But it has been nice to be able to hear from some of the players, to hear from some of the coaches. As I mentioned, we talked about a few of Will Muschamp's comments. Uh, Ryan Holinsky got to speak for the first time. I think fans were intrigued to hear from him. And I think he said all the right things in terms of not focusing on last year, but reiterating that that's something that, that sticks with him. That's something that he's thought about. That's something that they are aware of in terms of the necessity of moving on. And that that's always the one thing that I've, wondered and maybe that's a better question for someone you know like Eric Kimry who played and had to go through like the super low lows and then eventually made it back to you know not quite the highest highs but well what they got like eight and three one year eight and four something like that went to a bowl game just what the balance is between yeah they were eight and four nine and three I mean yeah, at the time like that, that was a yeah it was tremendous and then after about you know a one in ten season and a winless season or whatever it was so obviously again someone like that or you know Langston would understand a little bit better but I'm always curious in the balance of focusing on what you did wrong last year for the sake of improving and also just moving on and I mean I think Ryan said you know the right things in terms of of balancing those but I've always just wondered personally what that balancing act is yeah I mean I think you got to take you got to recognize everything for what it is and sort of why things happen I don't think you want to dwell on as much of you know oh we you know, we're a four-win team. That's as good as we can get because you're not going to improve much from a mental standpoint there. So you take it as some of the players sort of talked about it being a motivating factor. Um, but I think more important than that is just uh, can you pinpoint, you know, where you have to get better? And for South Carolina, it's a lot of different areas. Um, you know, T-Rob talked about it some yesterday. A lot of the issues on defense were just, you know, sometimes there are guys trying to do too much, trying to be the hero, trying to make a play. You know, you have to make a play on defense when you're presented the opportunity to do it. You know, you stay in your gap until the guy's out of your gap, and then you can go play football. You know, it's sort of one thing he said. They had some issues with that, had some inconsistencies. That was the biggest thing. You know, offensively, 
we've talked about this, extremely inconsistent. You know, they go from being able to move the ball through the air, being very effective on the ground to being completely ineffective. And there are a lot of things that even went into that. You know, it was the quarterback play started to suffer. It wasn't as good. Uh, they had injuries at running back. You know, I think one thing is can they keep this team healthy? I mean, when we look back at four years of Will Muschamp era, that's sort of a common theme, and, and maybe some of it's in their control, some of it's not. I mean, a guy breaks his leg or whatever, eh, not really in your control too much. But can they stay healthy? Because any team, um, unless you're just the elite of elite, has to stay relatively healthy. So if you can do that, maybe that helps them win a game or two or maybe more. Um, or it gives them a better chance to do so. But then you have to recognize how do we get better. So obviously there's some schematic changes with Mike Bobo coming on board. Um, there's going to be some personnel differences where they got to find some guys. Some of those are more long-term fixes they're going to have to recruit, but they got to find some guys and develop some guys. So there's just there's a lot, there are a lot of questions right now. And speaking about some of those changes, one of the guys that I was most intrigued to hear from was Adam Prentice, obviously who's come from Colorado State basically just because he wants to play for Mike Bobo for another year is my understanding. And, you know, obviously the guy probably has some aspirations for playing football after college. I don't know if it's going to be in the NFL, but maybe the XFL, you know, CFL, something like that. I think he wants to play football, but speaks to how much respect he has for Mike Bobo that he's chosen to not stay in Colorado where he was for the last five years and not stay close to home, which I think is Fresno, California for him, if I remember correctly, but to come all the way to the East Coast to a state where he's never been to South Carolina. He mentioned that. Uh, when someone asked him about just his impressions of South Carolina to come play for Mike Bobo. And I, I think what he represents for South Carolina is fascinating as an option to really push South Carolina over the top as they attempt to zig while everybody else is zagging, to go more under center, to play a little more power football. And frankly, and this is me getting like way ahead of myself and too excited, and it's not going to look like this because you know Mike Bobo is a good offensive coordinator. He's not Kyle Shanahan in terms of like an offensive mind. And Adam Prentice isn't Kyle Juszczyk, but that's the first thing my mind goes to because the NFL, it's like, oh, you got, you know, Sean McVay and the Rams and you got, you know, Andy Reid and the Chiefs and you got all these spread offenses and big quarterbacks and all this stuff. And then the 49ers are like, okay, well, we're just going to make the Super Bowl running the ball most of the time, a lot of motion, a lot of power, a lot of eye formation, things like that. And if Carolina was to go in that direction, I'm here for it because what they've done, what they did last year wasn't working. They don't have the personnel to I mean, they barely have the personnel to duplicate what they did last year, which was terrible. So you got to try something different. This is an attempt to do something different, and I really liked everything that I heard from Adam Prentice in terms of how he broke down this "quote unquote" new new for South Carolina approach to offense. Yeah, I mean, and and I think a lot of people, some people were alarmed when Mike Bobo got hired because you hear like you hear the words like "eye formations" like almost a dirty word or mm -hmm. something now and. Look, I mean, you you look at what he did at Colorado State. It, it, Mike Bobo's not coming here and going, we're, we're going to do this because this is what I believe in and and this is how it's got to be. He's going to evolve it and tailor it to what he thinks is best. Now, does that mean it'll be the right decision? No. Does it mean it'll be effective? No, because there's all sorts of different factors that go into that. Um, but you look like you go back and watch some Colorado State stuff. They'll open an I formation, then the next drive, their shotgun, and then they're using an H-back. So, I mean, th there's a lot of different things that they do. They'll use tempo. They won't use tempo. Slow it down at times. Um, so, I, it's going to be very multiple. There's going to be a lot of different looks. And, look, some of those times, just lining up in the eye or getting under center, maybe you're playing to some guy's strengths a little bit. There's going to be some play action elements. Um, obviously, a guy like Marshawn Lloyd, 
who I think will be the starter at running back. He's probably going to have a chance to be pretty effective. Prentice can be effective. Mm-hmm. Got Nick Muse when he comes back. Um, so I think it's very intriguing. And I think you're right. Maybe it's, like you said, the zig and zag thing. I mean, everybody's going toward these spread offenses, but maybe South Carolina can be a little bit different in some situations. And maybe that plays uh, to their advantage a little bit when they're matching up with people. Yeah, and for Prentice specifically, that he's playing a little bit of tight end too. Seems like it's it's going to be... In the mix now, Carolina. I mean, if he's going to be playing some tight end, you have Nick Muse and Adam Prentice there. In addition to some of the guys that Will Muschamp mentioned, uh, I guess during his comments that are just coming along that are actual tight ends. But for Carolina, that was sort of a a, a big question mark, especially for the spring with Nick Muse out. Who takes the reins in that position? It sounds like Prentice is going to be working to be on the field, whether or not they're in the I formation. And again, to go back to the Niners and Kyle Juszczyk, whom Prentice likes as a 49er fan. I remember seeing, I think it was in the NFC Championship game, that the first eight snaps of that game, Kyle Juszczyk lined up in eight different positions. And you just wonder if Prentice, being a veteran, understanding the system, this is his sixth year playing college football, if he can be kind of that Swiss Army knife that unlocks a lot of interesting looks for Carolina this year. Well, I think um, a couple of things caught my attention from you know coaches talking and Ryan Helensky talking this week. Uh, one thing Muschamp said a couple of different times was that this is a huge spring for them as far as evaluation of what they can do as far as, uh, you know, personnel and, and what makes sense for them and, you know, what what their guys are comfortable doing. And the other thing was I, I didn't realize that Ryan Helensky as a sophomore did play in a pro-style under-center offense. That That's something he mentioned. I, I thought, you know, you watch his junior tape, senior tape, I thought, you know, this was a guy who just did, you know, catch it and throw it, shotgun, um, lot. there's a lot, not not that there's not footwork to playing quarterback in the shotgun, but it's, it's just a lot different to be under center. Um, you have to turn your back to the defense, which is something a lot of guys that are in the shotgun are not used to doing, but when you're going play action, you are having to, to do that, and um, it, it changes the reads a little bit. It obviously changes the, the footwork for dropbacks. Uh, I thought that was going to be all new to him, Um Apparently it's not, which I think is a, is a good thing. Um, he said it actually sort of uh, like the muscle memory just came back for him pretty quickly. Uh, you know, when we do watch the open practices or the open portion of the practices, it seems like footwork. Uh, you know, when they're when they're just out there warming up, um, their arms just throwing with each other. Bobo, we obviously can't even hear it, but just looking at where he's pointing and and what they're working on, it seems like the footwork is a, a big part of, of what they're focused on right now. They had to do this drill, you know, yesterday where they're basically um, running their running their legs through a net, and then after they get through, uh, they have to turn and, and throw the ball, um, you know, into one of those catching nets. And uh, the, the entire focus seems to be on, you know, making sure that their footwork is right for this stuff. So I, I think that's an interesting – I think there is a, a bit – I don't know if I should say pressure, but I think the I think the onus is on Bobo to find the fine line between we're doing some new some new things for South Carolina, some different things for South Carolina, but to make it to where it's seem seamlessly implemented for them, considering you know some of these some of these older players on offense, this is their third scheme, you know, at South Carolina. It, I think. You got to take a little bit of it off the kids and put it on this offensive staff to mm-hmm. to implement the right stuff um, to where you're not overloading them, but you're still doing some some things maybe teams aren't as 
as used to anymore. Um, but I, I did think Deshaun Fenwick, um, he talked on Tuesday when he was asked sort of, you know, who, who's caught your attention, he mentioned Adam Prentice. He's like, you know, this guy's a fullback. Like, this mm-hmm. guy um, can can rock you, and they've seen that in the, you know, the, the cock drill, as they call it. Um, like, th- this dude's the real deal. So that, I think there, there are some intriguing things you can do. I still go back to wide receiver for me as like the biggest um, question concern, you know, with this offense. There's at least that all these other positions we're talking about, you know, even tight end. Um, I think there are the workings where you say, okay, you maybe not don't even know who it's going to be, but there's several guys competing for particular spots, and you feel like, okay, they're going to get production. Um, wide receiver, I don't know if you necessarily are saying that right now. No, I mean – I think if you are saying anything about that, you're saying, yeah, you probably can't and aren't projecting to get a whole lot of production out of that group just because you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, Shai Smith is the most proven guy there, and as bad as the season was last year, uh, there's no reason to be optimistic to Kieran Joyner. Yeah, cool in space, maybe, possibly. He's still learning the position basically from scratch. Xavier Leggett, maybe. Josh Van coming off a season in which he, what, led the SEC in drops or was top three in the SEC in drops and only had like 40 targets or something like that, so a long way to, to work back from a significant sophomore slump for Van. I mean, it, it's kind of a mess. But if Carolina can be under center more, if they can be like a 60-40, 70-30 running team, that makes everybody's job a little bit easier. The wide receivers don't have to do as much. You know, let the, let the play action do the work for you. Let the quarterbacks do the work for you. Let the scheme do the work for you. But uh, a long way away from knowing if that's actually going to come to fruition. And, and if, you know what? If I'm, if I'm one of these freshmen coming in at wide receiver um, – you know, Jakari Caldwell, he he was at practice on Saturday watching. Um, and I, I think they, excuse me, Sunday, I think they wanted, you know, Jordan Birch was there, Alex Huntley was there. Um, I think somebody else, I can't think off the top of my head who was supposed to be there. Rashad Amos was there too. Okay, Rashad Amos. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think there was a reason those guys in particular were there. I, I think you're telling them, hey, do everything you can before you get here because there's going to be an opportunity to play. You know, Jakari Caldwell – not necessarily the most uh, highly recruited guy in this class, but I think of the guys coming in, he's one that they're very high on. Rico Powers is one they're very high on. I, I think um, whatever you can do mentally, physically, to get yourself ready if you're one of those guys, I think you're saying there is a huge opportunity to come in and at, ver- at the very least you know, be a backup wide receiver. Um, you know, if, if you're Xavier Leggett, you need to have the best offseason season you know of your career because mm-hmm. there's a chance to come in and catch you know and catch a bunch of passes this year if you make that jump from freshman to sophomore. As I mentioned, heard from a bunch of people: Will Muschamp, Josh Robinson, Adam Prentice, uh, Ryan Halinski, Cedarius Hutcherson, Xavier Leggett, uh, Rashad Fenton. You mentioned Chris. Uh, anybody's comments that you wanted to get to, player or coach, that we've heard from? Rashad Fenton, huh? What did I say? Oh, uh, Deshaun Fenwick. <laughs> there you it's go. Similar. Fenton. Yeah, uh, Super Bowl champion. Uh, Rashad That's Fenwick. right. That's right. Uh, no, Deshaun Fenwick, a, a bunch of people we've heard from. Anybody yeah. else's whose comments stuck out to you, player or coach, that you wanted to get to? To carry on Joyner, I mean, working at receiver, you know, is an interesting deal to me. Um, he seems happy, though, he right? Seem, he seems happy about it. He's, he seems Does he ever not seem happy? He, I think yeah. he's just a super positive guy, right? <laughs> yeah. He, he is. And, I mean, I think, you know, I think last year, you know, not only did he have to go through the injury, but, you know, you, you switch from you, – you remember when he was getting recruited in high school, I mean, he was – there were some teams that wanted him to play, you know, safety or play receiver, play running back, whatever. And he was just set on quarterback. And so, um, 
you know, the plan was to move him last August, and that they sort of had to go back and forth on that. He had to split time because of injuries to other people, and then he himself dealt with some injuries, and that was a tough time for him. But he's just, yeah, I mean, he is a great kid. I, I wouldn't have faulted him at all for any decision that he made. He did have some people telling him that he should go try something else somewhere new. And, um, you know, if he would have decided that, then then great, what, whatever's best for him. But he, he stuck it out, stuck around. He's a really high-character guy, and um, I think he can help the team. It's, for him, it's just going to be about staying healthy and being able to, you know, just learn the nuances of the position. Um, I think just based on natural athletic ability alone, there's some things that they can give to carry on to put him in space, make it easy on him um, to where he can make some things happen, and then he can continue to progress in the playbook and, and see his role expand even from there. But I, th- I think even you look back at some things he did last year at receiver, he showed some natural ability beyond just, you know, bubble screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got – he can catch the ball naturally, um, and he's really good in space. So I thought I thought his comments were really intriguing, but just the move overall I think is something that's interesting because South Carolina really, really needs help, really needs an injection of athleticism all over the ball. And so for Joyner or – um, for Lloyd, for you know, for these couple freshman running, uh, freshman receivers, a couple of uh, freshman tight ends, I think all those guys are going to draw looks because they're athletically um, what they're looking for there. Anything else you wanted to get to? Observations from practice or any comments that anybody made over the last week before we move on to our uh, defensive depth chart? I don't think so. Do you, Chris? I think we're good on that. I think we're, Perfect. I think we're in. All right, just to refresh y'all on what we're doing with this spring depth chart, it is a spring depth chart. Hey, how about that? So, as we go through the defense, no Boogie Huntley, no Jordan Birch, some of those other guys that aren't going to get here until later in the summer. We're not factoring in. This is all just a discussion for what the depth chart will be when South Carolina plays Purdue. And is it April? Is the spring game in April? April the 4th. 4th. April 4th. Cool. So, what is the depth chart? And we'll start with the defensive line. South Carolina lost Javon Kinlaw. They lost Kobe Smith. Is that it? DJ Wanham. DJ Wanham. DJ Wanham. Yep. Returning a lot from a unit losing that was, a lot, but losing a lot too. <laughs> returning a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Re- returning a lot and using losing a lot. This is the this is the best most consistent unit on the team last year. I think losing Javon Kinlaw is like the really really significant one, obviously, because he's a top ten, definitely top five, maybe player in the NFL draft. You're not going to be able to replace his impact. You're not going to be able to replace his productivity. But just go across the board. There's a lot of experience. There's a lot of talent. And it seems like there are guys that are poised to step into that role. And I'm not saying Rick Sandage is going to be Javon Kinlaw next year or ever. But in terms of what are the counting stats, what does this defensive line look like in terms of its production on the field this year, I think it could be as good as last year's. Is that crazy? I don't think so. I mean, I I think... I don't know if you're going to have a Javon Kinlaw. Um, I'll go farther. You were not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not. You're not. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're probably not going to have a Javon Kinlaw. But um, I, I think as time goes on, as the season progresses, I think this defensive line can, can be really good um, because I do think you have some depth. I, I think you, you feel really good about picking Sandage, Keir Thomas inside. I I think Jabari Ellis uh, came on strong last year. So there's four interior guys for you right there before you even get to the guys 
you know, like at a Boogie Huntley who's coming in mm-hmm. and, and, you know, maybe could make an impact there. Yeah, um, J.J. Anagbari, who I think came on strong towards the end of last season, I think overall sophomore season, I don't want to call it a disappointment because it was just, I mean, he didn't play as much because most guys didn't need to play as much as we thought they would. He probably got like 15 snaps a game or something like that. Had a couple sacks against A&M, was playing well. He's obviously missing the spring, so he's not going to factor into this either, but even if you just look at the guys that are there for the spring, it's like, oh, that's a pretty good unit. And then you're going to be adding a lot more in the summer. Inigbari back, Boogie, Birch. But as for the spring right now, if we go DL1, obviously we're talking Sterling at the defensive end. Yep. Inside, Keir Thomas and Rick Sandage or Zach Pickens? That's the one that's tough because Pickens may play some three technique and that shade position. So between those two that you mentioned and, and um, Sandage, it's sort of like it's hard to figure out how you slot it. Well, I think you put it's going to be about who the best two are, I think, and you figure yeah. it out from there. Um, Kier, Kier is not going to be as exciting as to fans, obviously, because everybody likes the, the new, the big names and mm-hmm. stuff. Kier Thomas is probably starting, though, right? I mean, he's been around a while. Yeah, it just a good, like fundamentally solid player. I would say right now, in spring ball, my my first team front, and we haven't we haven't seen an actual depth chart out there at all. It's definitely not that Will Muschamp's depth charts mean anything anyway. um, Well, no, we at times we could see like our our literal depth chart by seeing how they rep or yeah how they they rep rep when they line up on defense first and. um I would guess it's probably Aaron Sterling, um, Keir Thomas, and Sandage inside as the mm-hmm. older player, and then Brad Johnson as the at, starting buck as the buck for this Purdue game. Really, yes, overfitting. Yes, oh, I've yeah. heard. Well, I don't know. I just feel like I've heard a lot about him. I feel like it's been a lot of. Yeah, it's just you know, Fitton hadn't played. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's more like optimism, like, oh, this guy could be good, like he's coming along, not like this guy's yeah. all of a sudden going to be right. That, that's beast that's, in the fall. Right. That's that's how I'd classify. It. And Brad's just been around a little longer, and I, I still, I still just have, and I could, you know, as time moves on, maybe I end up being wrong. I still feel like Brad Johnson could be a really good player. You know, I think he brings some interesting things, but um, it hasn't happened so far. Um, his first year, he wasn't ready. I mean, he really needed a red shirt forced into action and so um you know here here we are in his what red shirt junior year and so you know i, th- I think he's got an opportunity but I, I think it's open later on for jordan birch to come in that's getting ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. um, but i think he's going to factor in and you, you sort of got that vibe when t-rob was talking about buck the other day he's asked about it and he's like well we got brad and, and hot rod working there and you know you feel like they're still trying to find i mean losing dj Wanham there is pretty mm-hmm. significant too he was so technically sound. You did not have to worry about him blowing assignments. He could give you some pass rush. He could set the edge. So, I mean, that's a pretty significant loss for them as well. But so Johnson backed up by Fenton. Fitton, F-I-T-T-E-N. Mm-hmm. Pearson right. really is shoehorning I, Rashad I Fenton love onto Rashad this Fenton, team. Yeah. I didn't know that this, was, yeah. that this was burbling beneath the surface. And then the two defensive tackles, I guess, that are backing up, if you're saying that it's going to be Thomas and Sandage, we're talking Pickens and who's the... And Jabari. And, and Jabari is the fourth defensive tackle. And then what's interesting to me, that other defensive end spot... Actually, never mind. It's not interesting because Enigbari is out. I think Enigbari yeah. would be... 
number two right now, but that leaves probably Joseph Anderson, Joe Anderson yeah. and, and repping at that true DN. Yeah, like strong side, traditional yeah. defensive end spot. Um, but I, I'm with Chris. I think it really sets up well for Jordan Birch in the fall, depending on, you know, is that right off the bat? Is that game five? You know, when does it happen? I don't know. But the physical gifts there um, ultimately have a chance to take over, I think. Linebacker. You lose TJ Brunson. Mm-hmm. You bring back everything else. Yep. Yep. Right. A, a unit that was better last year than they were two years ago, although they couldn't have been any worse than they were two years ago. You bring back a guy in Jamar Brown that I think people were high on that played some early as a freshman and then kind of, I, I feel like saw his playing time kind of tail off towards the end of the season. But more, most importantly, you're bringing back Ernest Jones again. You're bringing back Sherrod Green, who made a big leap from his sophomore year to his junior year, who I think is expected to to factor in. And if he can make the kind of leap that he made from sophomore to junior year to his junior to senior year, I think he's going to emerge as a really, really solid option for South Carolina. Now, part of the question is going to be what kind of defense do we see him roll out? Is it more two linebacker looks or three linebacker looks? Maybe like this past year, it's going to be sort of dependent on the matchups. Everybody's there in the spring, correct? There's, there are no linebackers that are missing, and Mo is obviously missing spring. I don't think, you know, coming in as a true freshman and missing spring, he's necessarily going to factor into the two deep right off the bat anyway, especially if Carolina's just rolling with two linebackers. But all the other guys are, are there yeah. and repping. The, on, the only other guy would be Easton Riddle, you know, right. who was placed on scholarship. But he, he would be probably more of a depth and special teams guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, everybody else is around, um, you know, to – I think we can actually maybe answer your question about sort of configurations with two or three man linebackers. I mean, T. Rob talked a little bit about that um, yesterday, and he actually said, "I didn't even realize this, but he said they played twenty nine or thirty percent of regular, you know, personnel last year, which I didn't think it was that high. I knew at one point they had shifted a little. Yeah, there's like know, a two or three game stretch where they I played mean, a, lot probably, yeah. Yeah, and, a lot and, of it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, part of that was Sherrod playing well, and they wanted to fit him in because he was playing but you know it was a better option for them than playing nickel um but it also worked against them you know sometimes the nickel package you know t-rob talked about it you know i I think it was a combination of sherrod playing well staff wanted to get him on the field more and also they were having some trouble on the edges with their nickel getting blocked and things like that um but he t-rob actually said they may take that same approach this year they may be playing that much regular or even more he said this season but obviously like you said Pearson I think it depends on on the opponent but uh Ernest Jones we can all agree he's the mic so Ernest Jones and Sherrod Green Ernest Jones and Jamar Brown who are the two right now well if we're saying South Carolina is going to roll out with nickel as their primary defense next year in the nickel I mean I I think it's 100 percent going to be Sherrod Green yeah, I think Sherrod, and then, you know, they've worked Damani Staley some at the Will and the Sam. They sort of alternated those two, you know, and, and they've they've worked one at the Sam one week at the Will. And then I guess Jamar Brown will factor in. It, it sounded to spots. me, reading between the lines, like they were trying to make the Will and the Sam more interchangeable. Is that the vibe you got from T-Rob? Like they wanted – I mean, it, it seemed like they wanted guys to be able to, to definitely play – Either one to, yeah. In order to get their their best guys on the field, I I, I personally now Jamar Brown, he's not out for the spring, but he has been hurt. We don't ac- actually know exactly what it is, but he has been out. Like um, yellow jersey hurt or not participating hurt? 
not participating, but he had, not participating in practice, but he has been mm-hmm. running been on there. the side. Like he's been moving around. So um I would say spring depth chart first teamers for me, I would think, you know, Ernest Jones, Mike, Shry Green, Will, Jamar Brown, Sam. And um I I think that probably is your best three guys now. Um, what was the story with Jamar last year? Because it seemed like there was a lot of expectation that he had a lot of a lot of upside. He's clearly an athletic dude, and did seem to get more action early in the season than later in the season, which is interesting because you feel like a young player. Well, he was banged. He was banged up along the way. Yeah, as well. Um, but I mean, typically you see your playing time increase as a young player as you get more comfortable with the defense. Was it just? I mean, it was just injuries. Is that what you're saying? From what I remember. Yes. Um, I don't remember the exact injury, but um, I remember him being banged up. And, um, you know, and, and Sherrod came on so strong as well that, I mean, your three guys, you know, TJ Ernest and Sherrod, I think they wanted them on the field pretty much as much as, as humanly possible, I think. So no cause for concern there. You expect him to no, have a strong I mean, sophomore season and be a solid backup in the linebacking core? Yeah, or starter I, depending on and yeah, whether it's depending on three what year two. Yeah, what you're in. Um, I, I think they're high on him, man. I, I think, and even though Mo Cobb is not going through practice, I, there's something different about that guy. There's something special about that guy. The way people talk about him, his approach to the game. Um, very intelligent kid. Um, very football smart kid. I think Mo actually factors in eventually. Uh, you know, as we sort of look ahead, but. Right now, I think Rosendo Lewis probably your backup. Mike, as far as the current um, guys that are, get, that are there, Damani Staley, I guess your backup. Will, um, I don't know who your backup Sam would be right now. Well, then you've got like, dependent on the personnel, you know they they have that Sam slash Buck classification, right? So yeah, like, they classify it that way, but I. I feel like have we seen? Have, I mean, we've never seen like Brad Johnson line up. No, the only one that was uh, Danny Fennel. Yeah, did it, and that was about it. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, in, in a game situation, Bryson Williams and Bryce a couple of years it. ago. Did yeah, it at times. So it's sort of yeah, but they I mean they don't really have that hybrid kind of player. Doesn't seem like right now. Although, what's Brad Johnson? Do y'all have any idea how much he weighs? Because he was always small for a defensive end, which makes him, I guess, a better fit for a buck. Is he small enough that they could bump him into a kind of hybrid spot there if needed? It says he's two. He's two fifty five. Okay. I felt like he was playing he, at about two ten. He's definitely ago. more of a on on the line, you know, type of guy rather than going and you know playing in space and right. all those types of things. So linebackers pretty cut and dry. And nice that they have like basically everybody there and available for spring. It's going to make it hard on Purdue. To attack that second level for Carolina. <laughs> uh, rather than going whole secondary, I wanted to split it up into corners and safeties. So corners. Uh, J.C. Horn. He's still good. Even though he doesn't get interceptions. Is that fair? Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, he's really, he's really, really good. Still. April 4th. Who is the other starting cornerback for South Carolina? It's a good one. I still think it'd be Izzy. Um, Sounds like he's been working a little at safety, though. Yeah, but that's been the case forever. Um, is Jamie not ready to make the move over to a full-time corner position? Do they like him at the nickel? 
as an all SEC freshman defensive back. Yeah, I don't, I don't he think he was tremendous last year. I don't think Jamie will ever be a full time cornerback. If anything, too small. No, I mean, if anything, he'll be a safety, safety. or nickel. Yeah. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think ideally, here's what has to happen. Um, Cam Smith, who they actually, you know, seem to be happy with what he did this offseason. Um, he's actually a special teams player of the week this past week, we <laughs> yes, heard. Yes, he was. Um, but, yeah, Cam or Johnny Dixon um, have to step up to allow for that move to take place. Then, you know, I think you slide Izzy to safety. Um, Jamie Robinson is going to be on the field. So, again, you get back. Are you in a 4-3 or are you in a 4-2-5? If you're in 4-3, maybe Jamie's a safety. If you're in nickel, maybe Jamie's playing nickel. Um, you want your best – your best two at safety and then your best three at safety slash nickel to be on the field. So um, I think at corner right now I'd still probably say J.C. Horn, Izzy McQuamu, uh Cam Smith as backup, Johnny Dixon as backup. Um, if Izzy slides over, then obviously it changes a little bit. And this, These are two units that are returning everybody, right? They're not missing. They didn't lose anybody, did they? At corner and safety? I don't think so. That's yeah, it. returning yeah. everything, which, I mean, the, the defense as a whole was, was good last year. The D-line was good. The secondary was pretty good. Had their moments, I guess, on both sides of it. Probably averages out to a solid season from the secondary. And I'm gonna if, give, it's, if it's JC and Izzy, you still probably feel pretty good about that. I'm going to give my opinion, but also have sort of a discussion question. So if they go, let's say Izzy plays some safety. Do they play him at safety and nickel, and then when they're in four defensive back person, when they're in regular, do they move him back to corner? I mean, do you want to do that? Like having because then you're taking them off the field, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. then, then you're taking Why a corner you? off the field, another corner off the field. Like you're flip flopping in between. Okay, go play safety and nickel. Go play corner and regular. Do you do that? Mm, yeah. Why not? Wait, he who? did that in the North Carolina game last year. He started at who safety and moved to corner later. Talking about Izzy. Izzy. Because well, well, why yeah. wouldn't you just leave him at safety? I, mean, that, you, well, you, I guess that's could. contingent on that's contingent on either Cam Smith or John Dixon being able to hold down that corner spot. Otherwise, you can put Izzy at, at I guess safety and take Jamie off the field, or let Jamie play safety. Why would you ever want to take Jamie off the field? I don't know. Yeah, so that, no, I'm, 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 just like trying, I'm almost confusing myself out. talking yeah, about. You confused put, all of us. In Chris. my iteration, I'm putting Jamie at safety when next to RJ with JC and Izzy. Well, not necessarily. No, next to next to Izzy. Oh, Jamie and, and Izzy. And I, it, in, uh, in my scenario, where Cam Smith or Johnny Dixon, let's say Cam Smith, have stepped up and said, "Hey, I can play corner. I can be a starter." I'm putting Izzy at safety, JC at corner, Cam Smith at corner. Jamie Robinson is playing safety in my 4-3, and then Jamie Robinson, who I think is the best nickel on the team, is sliding to nickel, and then whoever my next best safety is is coming into the so game. So RJ or Jalen. RJ or Jalen. Who played next to RJ last year? I can't even remember. Who was the other safety for most of the year? Well, sometimes it was Jamie and... Yeah. Um, that's not a good sign when uh No, but he who was 
this it was Jamias so Williams Jamias, at the beginning. Wait, of the no, year. yeah, Jamias Williams, but he transferred in the middle of the season. Who else was back there? This is amazing. We gotta cut this part out because we're no. We this sound, is this is uh, fantastic because I mean I said this in the last podcast. Like the the football season feels so far away, and it was just like a little over three months ago that it ended. I guess it was eBay. JT, JT eBay. eBay. Oh my god, they did lose. Yeah, so they, they did lose. I okay, knew they lost yeah. somebody. Yeah. Now that's uh, that's that's addition by subtraction back there on the back end for South Carolina. Now you got to figure out the other safety spot because I mean he was playing for a reason because nobody else was able to take that spot from him. The bet that's probably why I'm, there's a little I'm more impetus say, to be busy back there. You know, the best case scenario in the world, as as in good the whole wide world for South Carolina secondary, if. Yes, if Cam Smith or Johnny Dixon steps up, that'd be great. Is that going to happen I'm, realistically? I think it could happen. It's realistic, but, yeah. but even better than that would be a healthy Jalen Dickerson is able to live up to what all we heard about him when he first arrived at South Carolina. If that happens, then everything else probably falls into place for you. Then you're talking. Are you talking about? Jalen and RJ back there. You talking about Jalen and Izzy back there? I don't think it, at that point. I don't think it matters if if Jalen Dickerson steps up and is healthy. I say steps up if if he's healthy. That's been his biggest thing that stopped him. Then all the other pieces will. I feel like they'll they'll work out because there's enough there's enough guys with talent that the rest of the spots will fall into place. So there's like six guys right now. It sounds like that. Are good enough to play snaps, assuming assuming Jalen's healthy, because JC's gonna play, Izzy's gonna play, Jamie's gonna play, RJ's gonna play, Jalen's gonna play, and then Cam and John Dixon. Well, yeah, let's just say one of those guys. I would, I would, I would still give John Dixon the edge. Yeah, good. Just because you know, he's, he's just because he's he's played. Mm-hmm. Now Cam may come, and you know, who knows? Maybe he blows him out of the water. I don't know. Man, I still can't decide on spring, and I think it could look different starting the season than, you know, the the spring game iteration. You know, the spring game iteration, maybe they – I don't want to say play it safe. That's not the right word, but maybe you sort of keep continuity and you play Izzy at corner to open the spring game. But if I if I have to make a guess, that will end up being wrong. Hmm. This I'll, is – go ahead. I will say – because we're trying to go spring game lineup, right? Yeah. JC at corner, that won't be wrong. <laughs> Jamie at nickel, that also won't be wrong. And then I'm going to say John Dixon at corner. Then Izzy at Israel safety. Izzy at safety. And RJ at safety. And RJ at safety. Not Jalen. Not yet. Now, I mean, Jalen's been around for a while. And listening to, I, guess so, I think it was T-Rob talking about him yesterday saying that like you said, Wes, the only issue has been his health. It sounds like he's picked up the defense, like in terms of the mental part of it, just fine. It sounds like the physicality is there. But he's just been hurt every single year. This is his junior year, or redshirt, ju- redshirt, uh, junior, redshirt, year. redshirt junior, junior year. So he's been on campus for four years, and he's played in like eight games. Yeah, I mean, when he when he first got on campus, you remember he enrolled early in 2017, and he got on campus and was super impressive. I mean, was going to help them year one, and then, you know, he just got hurt. He just kept what about getting the injuries, hurt. Ben? I don't even remember at this point. The, he had the shoulder, ner- shoulder nerve damage, which was a pretty okay. big one, and then he had a hip. And each of those were enough to keep him out for an entire season. 
Yeah, or, or close to it, depending on the timing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then you know he misses spring like once or twice. Um, he also had even even the year uh, the twenty eighteen season when he was able to come back from one of the injuries. Uh, he played some against Florida, and he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't yeah, have the reps that. and stuff. And he hurt his hamstring in that game. So th- there's just been a bunch of different. And then last year he was you know ready to go, and then he had the injury. Um, I think more nerve stuff than had to have surgery. So. Hmm. So it sounds like he's the guy that both of y'all are, are going to circle and say this is the potential X factor in the defensive backfield for South Carolina as someone that, like, they they have enough back there. They have guys. They have bodies. They have experience. And they have talent and length and all those things that you look for that it's like a fine unit. But if Jalen is good to go, that might push the unit over the edge from being, you know, a solid secondary to a good to very good secondary. The more we're talking about it, I mean, the more we talked about the offense last week, the more questions I had. The more I was, like, talking through it, I was like, man, there's a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. The more we talked about the defense, the more I've sort of convinced myself they got a chance to be pretty good defensively and that there's enough depth where you feel comfortable even if you're – because you're going to have guys banged up. We all know that, um, that you're probably fine. But, but yeah, I think Jalen and then – if just one of Cam Smith and and John Dixon can sort of step up for you at cornerback, then um, I think you feel good. And, and then we haven't even talked about you know the the two freshmen that are already on campus, mm-hmm. or uh, you know the the freshman and, and Joey Hunter that's coming in. So yeah, the fact that we haven't even had to you know haven't even have had to mention them yet. Talking about a, O'Donnell Fortune and Dominic Hill. Yes, uh, I guess you've just seen them run around. Do they do they look the part? Yeah, they look the part. Um, to me, OD is a needs to gain some weight. Uh, Dominic looks a little bit thicker, um, maybe a little bit more physically ready to contribute. Um, uh, Dom also was the more highly recruited guy. Oklahoma was pushing hard to to try to flip him from South Carolina. Um, you know, that's just man, that's from like watching fifteen seconds of drill work. I, you know, mm-hmm. that's not really based on anything, but just my gut instinct watching him. Dom looks like the guy who's maybe a little more, at least physically, ready to contribute. Sounds pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I think it's fair to have reasonable expectations for the defense. And again, this is without a lot of guys that are going to be factoring in once they arrive in the summer, you think? Because I, mean, I don't know if, like, I don't know if Boogie's going to break the top four defensive tackles right away. Maybe by the end of the season, I think Jordan Birch is going to factor in right away. Some of the other guys, I, mean, I guess there's no one else coming in the defensive backfield that's really going to shake that up. But reason for optimism, I think. Well, and you don't, you know, you don't really want to, <laughs> you don't really want to say that your freshman defensive tackle has to come in. It, you know, if, if but Boogie, it was a luxury for Zach Pickens to only have to play in eight games and not play more than I think twenty snaps in a single game last year. Yeah, like if, if Boogie comes in and plays a bunch, that means Boogie has like passed guys, mm-hmm. which is obviously a great sign. Yeah. So that's what the spring depth chart looks like for the South Carolina-Purdue game again April 4th. You don't want to miss it. Get your tickets now. It's going to be exciting. It's so cool that they're doing that. It's going to be way more interesting than the actual Garnet and Black game. You by the you will have, have now convinced at least someone that that's actually I've convinced happening. myself. So I've already done my job. I convinced somebody, and that somebody is me. I'm going to be really disappointed when I walk into Williams-Brice on April 4th, and it's just two Carolina teams wearing different colors. We'll obviously have a lot more for you all throughout the course of spring as we get more sound from players, sound from coaches, a few more observations. I guess there will at least be a couple more practices that are open in part to 
the media. Won't be a ton of news, but at least, you know, maybe some observations here and there. Before we get out of here today, South Carolina did have one more piece of news related to the football team. Another signee, the second one of the class of 2021. Another commitment. What did I say? Signee. Yeah, whatever. Commitment, signee. Someone said, hey, I want to come play at Carolina. And Carolina was like, okay, cool, you can come play for us. That's what happened. And his name is Sam Reynolds. And he has the same amount of stars as I do. So, Wes, Chris, explain this to me. Well, I'll explain the stars. Um, sorry, he's more athletic than you are. Are you um, sure? So, yes. I'm Have sure. you seen me do, I don't know. Anything. Yeah, anything yeah. other than just stand here and Well, I've watched Sam Reynolds run. I, I don't okay. think you're as fast as him. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say that. I mean, I've seen some, you know, he's got some track. Can you run a 10, 800 meter? Uh, what's that in a 40? I don't know. I'm not going to run a 4, 5, 40. Not now you can't. Why not? He runs a he runs a 4, 4, 1, 40-yard dash. Okay. Well, I haven't run a 40 since high school, and I'm I'm in, I'm in better shape now than I am than I was in high school. Okay. Yeah. So let's put me Good on the point. track. Wait, is there any way that we can go out to practice and do it? Y'all did, y'all did this last year. Wasn't it during spring? We all raced each it was other? summer camp. Oh, that was yeah. summer? And we didn't train either. So We're going to do ACP out there this a, summer. A 4-3 this summer. We're going to do live from some kind of camp, ACP, and we're all going to do some of these things. We're going to do a little high jump, do a little 40. Wouldn't that okay. be fun? It'd be fun. Yeah. Y'all have, uh, that's a couple months away, so y'all have plenty of time to sponsor it because that's going to be the media football crossover event of the century. So that sounds get good. pumped. Okay, Samuel Reynolds. Sam, so Samuel Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this is a guy that South Carolina offered, and they like him. He worked out at a rivals camp last year as a defensive back. He's, he's sort of classified as an athlete, but South Carolina likes him on offense um, in sort of a role where a lot of people may say, well, how do they envision him? Is he a receiver? Is he running back? He's sort of all of the above. They, they feel like they can use him sort of a jack-of-all-trades type of position where they can use him on some jet sweeps, use him on special teams, use him in the slot play him at receiver some, um, let him get in space, let him run. So he's not the biggest, um, but he's got some speed. He's got some athleticism and was a guy that they were able to get in the boat early. So, um, yeah, Alabama is a state where I think you're going to look at with the number. The number in state is sort of rising for 2021, but might be like six guys, seven guys at the end of the day if, if they can hit all their targets there. Um, but Alabama is going to be a state where they're going to try to do some work in this cycle and may not be the only one that ends up being in the class from Alabama. Certainly one they're going to hit a little bit harder, I think, going forward. So Sam Reynolds, no stars. He's listed as a defensive back, and you're telling me that he's really good. He's worth what? South Carolina getting to commit on, you know, or, or in early March. What did, we, did we hit on and the, he's an did we I didn't even the, hit on the stars because Pearson started talking about how fast he was. Yeah, yeah. no stars. If, if a guy has been evaluated in – He's not an impact guy. He's a two-star. No stars just literally means they have not been effectively evaluated. And there's yet. no one-star? No. Well, why have five, then? Just have four. Five just looks better. That's so stupid, though. If you're not going to even make one-star an eligible You can't make a one-star, man. Why? Because nobody wants to be a one-star. <laughs> well, then nobody <laughs> wants to be a two-star. There's a basement for all of these things. If you're telling me nothing's worse than a two-star, then it's nobody perception. wants to be a two-star. Perception. It should be four stars, and you should be allowed but to see, have one here, star. No, but here's the thing, man. Y- you you don't know that there's no such thing as a one-star. You we, just told me there isn't. Yeah, but you, you didn't know that before today. So the perception, if you're an average <laughs> fan just reading something, 
Yeah, that's why this is a lie, and I hate it. Yeah, but see, it's the perception of it. Well, I knew I had never seen a a one-star. I didn't know that it didn't exist. I just thought that nobody talked about those guys because they just went to, like, I don't know. Hey, man, congratulations. You're a (laughs) one-star. Nowadays, everybody, well, I won't say everybody. Be that guy. Nobody cares about that. But, like, almost, like, if you're committed to a Power Five or even, like, a group of five or a lot of times even an FCS school, like, you have a ranking of some sort. Yeah. You're in the ESPN top six million. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's on some kind of list somewhere. It, but, but, it's, but here's the thing: it's like literally, if if you're a two star, like the definition of a two star is pretty much that you're a college football player. You are a football player. No, you you're a college football, football player, okay. and you so, have pro potential. Like when you know how a lot of people they get so mad. I'm a three star. They're hating on me. Like it literally says you have pro potential. What does a two-star mean? I think it's limited pro potential. <laughs> if somebody told me that I had limited potential to be a pro athlete, now I may be like, no, I'm definitely making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but two, but two, I think I think of two as like basically like you can play college ball, which is why. Yeah. See, Rivals Rivals is not in the business of um, evaluating like a bunch of Division three guys, right. you know. So those are just, the one stars. Yeah, in the hypothetical. In theory. Okay, all right. So they just don't even make the list. They don't even make the rivals list. What's Sam Reynolds? Is he gonna? Is he gonna grade out as a two star? As a three star? As a four star? As a five star? Six star? One star? I think star? he'll probably start out as like a five point five three star. Yeah, that's what I'd have him low three. Right five point five three rating, so three star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, he's listed as a defensive back. You're saying Carolina's recruiting him as an, as an offensive, he's an player, offensive player, guy all the way, uh, a jack of all trades kind of guy. What is what? What are his primary attributes other than i guess versatility which just means he's athletic he's he's a smaller guy so yeah i mean athleticism he's he's good in space he can run so those are really the main the main things that you look at is just someone you can sort of get into space not going to be a guy that's every down running back he's not going to be a you know vertical downfield win one-on-ones threat he's a guy that you've got to utilize in a certain way and get him in space well i think i think um speed um Will be a priority in this class, and yeah, I like think four four one. That's not like he's not like a burner. Four four one is burning. That's fast, but he's no, like that's when burning. he gets in on real, campus, he's not going to be the he's yeah, but he's not going to be the fastest guy on the team. He's not going to be the fastest guy in the conference. He's not going to be the fastest guy in any game that Carolina plays. He'll I'm be just, close to being the fastest guy on the team. I'm wondering what the process is because he's someone that, like you're saying, Chris, doesn't necessarily fit anywhere. You kind of have to call plays for him or build parts of your offense around him and he's fast sure but he's not you know Percy Harvin he's not Tyreek Hill he's not someone that's going to break the game open necessarily with his speed he's not someone that other teams are going to have to game plan for was Carolina afraid that if they didn't get in early with Sam Reynolds that he was going to go to like a Georgia or a Alabama or Clemson or something like that or did they just like him and he liked them and so they just went ahead and I mean, I guess, I it's, guess just, it's, it's not just, a sign, it's just a commitment. I'm, I'm just curious, like, when Carolina gets in so early on these guys that seem, like, marginal, it feels like they could get these guys later in the game to sort of round out a class rather than having them go ahead and, and occupy a slot that could go to someone that's better. I mean, yeah, but you you, don't, you don't, can't look at it that way because, you know, no, they're not, I don't think they're sitting around saying, well, if we don't take this guy now, he's going to, you know, I mean, nowadays, commitment I mean, for these guys, it's a two-way street, and, and South Carolina will continually evaluate their class. We've seen instances of that where some guys – and I'm not saying he's going to be one of them at all, but we've seen that they continually evaluate. And if a guy 
has, say, a bad senior season or something, or he's not playing up to par, you may see him go somewhere else. We saw that. We've seen that several times. We may see him pick up other offers. We've seen that too, and go keep looking around or go somewhere else. And so, um, really, it's just it, it's as simple as this. You know, if you've got a guy that you feel like can help your team, you take him whenever he wants to commit. You know, um, and then you you just you take him and you continue to assess it from there. I really think it's as simple as that. Yeah, because I I don't think you can look at it like oh we can get this guy late. You yeah. either you either want him or you don't. And yeah. if even if someone commits to a quote lesser school, they're building those relationships. They're on that campus for the next, you know, national signing day. Let's even say early signing period. You know, December is, you know, nine months away. So even if they're, you say, well, we're going to wait, we're going to wait, we're going to wait. This kid commits to a quote lesser school. He's built. He's on that campus all the time for the next nine months. He's getting comfortable. He's making plans with who he's going to room with. He's um, hanging out with those coaches. The commitments to that school, the current players for that school. It's not as simple as hey, we're just going to bust in and be like, hey, we want you now. If, especially if if someone wants to commit now and you say, nah, wait. Mm-hmm. Well, it rubs in the screw wrong way. you. Yeah, you know, like if it, if I want to commit and then you tell me no. Or, or what if, and I'm not saying this will happen either, what if a guy like Sam Reynolds or a guy like Sam Reynolds, what if we find out later in December or whatever, hey, Carolina could have gotten Sam Reynolds and, and he, like, they didn't want him. And he in the meantime and goes to And Oklahoma. he goes somewhere else, yeah. and then all the fans are, you know, P- PO'd. I think you just got to, you got to just trust. You got to trust your evaluation, trust yeah. what you're looking for, and then – and then you live with it. We'll all find out if it's right or not. But you got you got to trust what you're what you're looking for. And I do think speed, adding some more quickness to the wide receiving core is a huge priority for this class. And um, they liked him, and uh, they they went on him. So we'll see. You know, uh, let let's find out. Let's let's wait and see if other guys, other schools step in on this kid. Um, you know, T.J. Sanders, someone else. If if we want to get into a little more recruiting that they just offered in state for 2021. Um, First offer, you know, nobody else has offered. But um, the kid had a huge junior year, was completely under the radar, was more of a basketball player, um, decided to play football. South Carolina has offered him. I guarantee he's going to have 10 FBS offers, um, probably more, ultimately. So the the timing of these, and, and T.J. Sanders, he's at Marion High School. He's a zero star right now because he's completely unknown. Scrub. I, I think he's going to be a. I think he's got a chance to be a four star mm-hmm. guy. So right now, as as much as people talk about the rankings and whether they're accurate or not, um, I can tell you that right now the rankings are not accurate at all because there's just not enough data on these kids yet. So you're constantly uh, evaluating it. And in exact science or an art or whatever you want to call it, but 2020 class. Still very, 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 very far away from, you know, putting the finishing touches on it. Obviously, as you mentioned, the uh, the time it takes to grow an entire human being is uh, how much time Carolina has to finish out this 2021 class. But they got Sam Reynolds. That's one way to put it. He's going to be fast, I guess, and, and good. I, I'm not, look, I'm not down on him. I'm just, I, I'm curious about the process because it's fascinating to me. And there are parts of it that seem somewhat inscrutable. So I appreciate you all shedding some light on things. Good word. Me. Thanks. Inscrutable. Appreciate it. That's, that's your word of the day. You all go find a way to use that in your 
in your day-to-day what speech. What is the definition of the word? Inscrutable? Yes. Like difficult to describe? There you go. What? Are you looking it up right now? No. Oh, okay. I just figured if we were going to give a word of the day, you needed to give. Yeah. Well, let me make sure that's definition. like a. I know, and that's essentially what Trust it means. Trust yourself, man. man Trust your evaluation. The country of origin. Inscrutable. Please. Impossible to understand or interpret. Yeah. Um. So anyway, stay tuned to GamecockCentral.com for any more updates on the class of 2021. But obviously, more pressingly, any updates, a lot of player audio, a lot of coach audio, y'all have throughout the course of spring. Some spring updates, observations. Uh, the women's basketball team starts the SEC tournament this week. The men's basketball team is just finishing up their season. The regular season, big one over Mississippi State last night. Colin Taylor and I will be back on Thursday morning on the hard foul to discuss Carolina's win over Mississippi State, preview their season finale against Vanderbilt, and start to look ahead towards the SEC tournament. So tons of stuff going on on GamecockCentral.com and the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. So rate, review, subscribe to that so you don't miss a second of the action. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> we, we went to the drive through at Wendy's, and... Uh, this is like middle of the afternoon. He's like, uh, yes, ma'am, can I get a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit? <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, sir, we don't serve breakfast. He's like, ah, sh- can I get some pancakes? <laughs> and I don't know why I've, that story has like stuck with me for my entire life. And it's that's not def- even. That's definitely something I would laugh about. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.